and he asked me, aren't you the one who were talking against the KDP and the leadership of KDP in the interview of the Chavella DW in Soleimani uh, okay. uh, three years ago? I said, yes. Then he suddenly... your Assyrian podcast co-host coming to you straight from Iraq for episode 157 with my guest Khlapil. Khlapil was born William Benyamin in 1993 and was raised in the little village of Sersing in the beautiful mountainous Sapna Valley in northern Iraq. Khlapil considers himself simply a Nashitmata, a village person, but his activities and his outspokenness have, in more ways than one, put a target on him. In recent years, he was detained for 13 days, largely incommunicado, by KRG intelligence forces called Esaish. His arrest caused many international outlets to denounce it, stating that they feared his critical investigations of human rights violations by the KRG were the real reasons for his detention. I visited Sapna for a few days recently and spent quite some time getting to know the person behind the name Khlapel. Polite and soft-spoken, when he speaks of politics and the plight of Assyrians, the boldness in his statements is sharp and awakening. Often unpredictable, our next guest keeps you on your toes when it comes to his refreshingly unconventional point of view. While his persona may have garnered him a lot of attention, that is not his intention. Documentary filmmaker and writer, civil activist and journalist, his mission is rather simple. Khlapil wants to highlight injustices suffered by Assyrians in their various homelands. He wants to speak up about the inequalities that exist, and he wants to demand inclusiveness and equal rights in order to achieve coexistence with other ethnic groups in the homeland. Before we get to this week's interview, I want to remind you to make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you rate and review it wherever you listen to it. Also, if you know someone who should be on the podcast, please reach out to us. You can find more information about how to nominate future guests on our website. This episode is sponsored by the Ushana Partners, a husband and wife real estate team. Are you considering purchasing or selling a home in Arizona or California? Then John and Rita are available to help make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Oshanas at 209-968-9519. Get to know them a bit more by checking out their website, theoshanapartners.com. The Assyrian Podcast is also brought to you by Tony Caligarakis and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligarakis. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or 847-982-9516. And now, here is Chlapel. Welcome to the Assyrian podcast. 
Thank you so much and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Well, the pleasure is all mine. I've been looking forward to speaking with you for a long time now. So I'm happy that we finally got a chance to sit and chat. Finally, we did it. <laughs> finally, we did it. Um, let's start off with a little background about you. William Benjamin, a.k.a. Chlapel. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? William is a, a village person who grew up in a very simple environment of the Assyrian village of Sersing, north of Iraq. And because the massacre of Semele committed by the Iraqi army against my people, the Assyrians, in 1933, and we're still waiting for justice from the Iraqi government, this tragic year has become a landmark event in our history and has impacted our culture. So I always prefer to say that I was born in the year of 60 after the massacre of Semele, which is 1993. So 60 after Semele. Exactly. 60 AES. Educationally, um, I studied directing uh, of theater in the Hawk more than 10 years ago, uh, plus English language in Catholic University in Erbil. And now I'm a student of administrative court of law in Lebanese French University in Erbil, which is a private university here. And so what made you decide to go into administrative law? I always feel that I need uh, more. So maybe, uh, and I'm sure, not maybe, this is not the last station of my education, let's say educational CV. Yeah. So I will continue or maybe I'm gonna study something else in the near future. I mean, in truth, we never stop learning and uh, learning is part of life. And so I admire that in you, it's great. So tell me, what do you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself a director? Do you consider yourself a journalist? Do you consider yourself a politician, a civil advocate, a poet? I always consider myself as a writer and documentary director or documentary filmmaker. Nothing more. Maybe I have um, a part of all the things that you mentioned, but... I'm still a writer and documentary director as a official, an official title. But you've written poems. Yes. But you don't consider yourself to be a poet. No, because I believe that poet is uh, a high level uh, that I didn't reach it yet. Okay. So this is why I can say that I write poems, but I'm still not a poet. That's poetry right there in itself. And so at some point along the road, you became Chlapel. Yes. When was that? Why was that? Tell us the story. Since I was a child, I wished that my name would be an Assyrian name. Mm. And after I grew up and realized that I was named after US President William Jefferson Clinton, Bill Clinton. <laughs> I hated my name even more. Oh so uh, this is why I choose the name of Khlapil as, a, let's say, to represent me in my public activities. This doesn't mean that I'm not William anymore. I'm still William, but at the same time, I'm Khlapil. Khlapil is more serious, let's say. But because you needed to become a serious 
persona to the public? Uh, no, I, uh, as I mentioned, I always wished that I had uh, an Assyrian name and William is not an Assyrian name. This is why I choose this unique name. I created this name, which means offering to God something like this. And in other dictionaries of uh, Assyrian dictionaries, I mean, of Tom Odo and Ogin Manna, uh, they translate the term of club to fruit. So I can say it means fruit of God as well. I see. So khlapat alaha. Khlapat alaha means uh, offering to God and at the same time fruit of God. Okay. And so when did you become khlapat? It was in 2009. So it's been over 10 years now that you're Yeah, 12 years. Yeah. So it was a long time ago. Okay, I thought it was a recent change. Yeah, still there's many friends in Sarsink and Duhok and other places. They still uh, call me William. And at the same time, I have many friends and colleagues. They don't know that my real name is William as wow. well. Yeah. So I was one of those people, actually. For I always thought your name was Kapel. And then when I saw someone, uh, or maybe on Facebook, I saw William and I thought, who's William? Uh, and then at some point I thought, oh, maybe because you've become such a controversial personality over the last few years that you had decided to change your name into Chlapel. Um, because you have become a little bit of a controversial personality. Can you tell us a bit more about that? How did that start? Um, to be honest, being a controversial personality... Uh, I can say it very clear that it is not my goal, but maybe it is being a result of my goal. Mm -hmm. Plus that I had many activities. Uh, maybe this was a reason to let people think that I'm a controversial personality, mm -hmm. but I consider myself that I'm a very simple person. I'm not a controversial and uh, one of the things that may maybe made me a controversial personality it was an interview in Deutsche Villa TV uh, DW which is a Germany TV okay. station it was in Soleimania uh, there was an interview between me and a representative of KDP in Iraqi parliament plus the Goran the change party the okay. opposite party of uh, uh, Kurdish people here, uh, the representative of Goran, plus many activists. So I think that it started from there. Why? What happened? Because it was a very controversial interview. What did you say in the interview? Well, there was an argument between me and the KDP representative and we were arguing uh, about the situation here and how we live here in the, under the KRG government as Assyrians or as indigenous people of this land. So he was trying to say that uh, you're living in peace and you have rights and let's say there is equality here. But I was against this speech and I was trying to highlight the truth or let's say to show the reality of the Assyrians in the north of Iraq. So this was around the referendum. In what year 
was the referendum and what was the referendum question exactly? The question of referendum in 2017 was, do you want the Kurdish areas and Kurdish, uh, let's say, lands outside the administration to become an independent state? So a country apart from yes, federal apart from, Iraq? Yes, and uh, this referendum was against the Iraqi constitution. And if we walk, focus here, uh, the question uh, mentioned the Kurdish areas outside the administration, meaning Kirkuk, Nineveh Plain, plus Sinjar. Right. And they are considering these areas as a Kurdish areas or Kurdish lands. And this is not only against the Iraqi constitution and against the minority and indigenous people of these lands. Example, Assyrians and Yazidis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the controversy came when you said we must vote no. Yes, because when I went to vote, I voted no. It wasn't uh, private. Uh, it was covered by Al Jazeera English and I had an interview uh, about it. And I gave my opinion why I voted no. Were there any consequences after that interview? Did you receive any threats or...? I fled to Syria. In what year? In 2017. And how long did you stay in Syria? One week. And what happened during that one week? Uh, there was, let's say, uh, an Assyrian politician here. I don't want to mention his name or her name. Uh, he was trying to solve my problem with the Kurdish uh, leadership here of the KDP. Uh, after... Uh, he was sure that I would be safe if I come back from Syria to Iraq. I came back to Iraq. And after you came back, did you still continue receiving threats? In that time, threats was something, sorry to say this, uh, something I can call it funny. What do you mean? I mean, I received many threats from fake accounts. And uh, these threats uh, became a part of my daily life. So the day that I didn't receive any message or any threat, that was the day that I was really worrying that something will happen. Oh, that's, that's intense. Do you still continue to receive threats today? Now I don't receive uh, threats, uh, maybe because, uh, let's say, I believe in dialogue, and I've met with many uh, members of leadership of KDP uh, here in KRG. But still, let's say I don't receive threats, but that doesn't mean uh, I'm living uh, in peace here. Uh, and uh, a, let's say a very important example for this was the shutting down of AMB office in Erbil. The, yeah. Yeah, the security forces here in KRG, they closed our office and they didn't let us to continue our, let's say, uh, media activities uh, that we had here. It was only presenting news, five minutes news uh, in Assyrian language and it was daily news. We were posting it in 
social media plus broadcasting it in satellite so and they did uh, they weren't happy with this uh, why because their excuse that uh, was that we don't have permission for our office uh, and I had permission from uh, let's say four parts of the KRG started from directorate of media here then the ministry of culture then the ministry of interior plus the let's say it we call it here Asaishi which is the uh, public security okay. I don't know how to say it in English uh, then they their excuse that uh, was that you have to have the permission of Council of Security. I didn't know that there was another station right. that I should wait for the permission. So this was their excuse, but I uh, still believe that this wasn't the real reason of shutting down the office of AMB. I believe that we didn't uh, accept their conditions. This is why they did this and their conditions uh, were uh, to mention the name of this region in our news. We didn't mention the name of this region in our Assyrian news or in our daily news in AMB because we believe that with all due respect to our neighbors, the Kurds, but we don't believe in the term or in the name of Kurdistan and this is not uh, we're not trying to be disrespectful for them uh, Kurdistan means the land of the Kurds but we don't believe that this land is uh, the land of Kurds this is why we always try to uh, let's say to find a public term to represent all the ethnic groups here this is why we say north of Iraq right we don't say Assyria, even we believe that it is Assyria, because we, at the same time, we believe that Assyria doesn't represent Kurds. Right. So mutual respect in terms of labeling of what this land is. Exactly. So we're talking about equality here. Right. So uh, I believe this was the main reason of closing the AMB. Wow. Um, and, and recently there was a decision even to just uh, end all A and B operations around the world. Is this somehow related to the closing of the office here in Ankawa? Yes, because we didn't get any permission from here. This was the reason that uh, the owner of A and B, he shut down the A and B satellite because he believes that we need uh, material from here. Material from Iraq is very important for AMB. AMB without any material from Iraq is not AMB. They needed AMB here as a source of information. Plus the voice of Assyrians. A free voice of Assyrians. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember the first time I met you, Khlapa, we were sitting in a garden, uh, having a chat, and your phone rang. And all I remember was that you answering the phone and then I could see a look of horror on your face and you dropped your phone and you were in a panic. And then you told me your sister was at the hospital. Some people said she was in a coma. You weren't sure what was happening to her. And I remember the first few words that came to your mouth were, 
that's it, they've executed the threat because you had received threats not only against yourself, but against your family. So have you ever considered stopping your advocacy and stopping your social critique to spare your family from any threats that might be real? Because luckily for your sister, she was safe and I mean, she was in the hospital, she had been in a car accident, but it wasn't related to any threats that were made to you. Yeah, it wasn't related. I thought it's related, but then I realized that it is not. But about considering stopping my advocacy uh, to save or or to spare my family, I thought about that, but I didn't stop. <laughs> maybe, maybe this was because of I received a very huge support from different organizations here, from UN, from Australian Parliament. There was an MP in Australian Parliament called Hugh McDermott, I okay. think. Yeah, he had a speech, uh, a special speech about me in Australian Parliament. Wow. Yes, and this pushed the, let's say, my situation here to be more safe. Because then you, they couldn't commit any crime against you or your family because you were now world known worldwide basically exactly plus the most important uh, support that i really appreciate was uh, the support of russian ambassador in baghdad maxim mm -hmm. maximov the former ambassador now there is a new one i hope that i will have a meeting with him in the next weeks uh, Mr. Maxim Maximov. So he contacted the key political leaders or figures, and this was very helpful for me to stay safe at least. This doesn't mean that I'm 100% safe, and at the same time, doesn't mean that I'm 100% in trouble. But I'm still safe till now, thanks to God. Yeah, uh, and hopefully, I will continue like this. Yes, because your activities certainly are continuing as well. So um, I believe it was last year when you were arrested. Yes, it was two years ago, exactly. Two years ago. It was in 2019 when you were arrested. Yes. So at the time in Syria, there was fighting. Yes. You had gone to Syria to report on it. Yes. Can you tell us what happened there? In 2019, there was a Turkish operation in north of Syria against the Kurdish forces who are linked to uh, PKK, that, uh, that they are considered to, to be a terrorist organization. But unfortunately, the Turkish targets in Syria wasn't only on these forces. Mm -hmm. It was uh, also to the civilians there. So I had to choose going to north of Syria and cover what is going on there. And the most important thing that pushed me to go to Syria was the Kurdish media TVs were trying to say that the Turkish bombings are only against the Kurdish civilians in Syria. Right. And I was, uh, let's say, seeing that there are also Assyrians, uh, civilians that are affected by this operation. And this uh, pushed me to go to Syria. And we were more than 30 journalists that went to Syria. 
C. There is no legal way to Syria. If you now go to Syria, there is only one way to go to Syria. From Erbil Airport, International Airport of Erbil, to Damascus okay. Airport. If you go to Damascus Airport, you can't go from there, fly from there to Qamishli during the operation of Turkey. Right. But there are another ways to go to Syria, but they consider these ways as illegal ways. There is a gate of Fishkhabur, we call it. Gate of Fishkhabur. There is a very legal crossing to the KRG, not to Syria. If I have a permission from the KRG to go to Syria from Fishkhabur gate, which they considered it as a legal gate to Syria, but if any Syrian uh, soldier from the regime, mm -hmm. the official uh, Syria army, if he uh, saw me in Syria, he would arrest me. Why? Because the Syrian regime doesn't consider this gate of Fishkhabur as a legal crossing to I Syria. I see, okay. This is why we choose another way, not Fishkhabur. Okay. Gate. Why? Because when we were trying to go from Fishkhabur gate uh, crossing to Syria, they didn't uh, let us to go to Syria because they told us that the situation there is not safe. But because we were in need to go to Syria and cover there what is going on there, because it was a real war there, mm -hmm. we find another way from Sinjar, we call it Arabia, and we cross to Syria. Uh, which is the same cross of uh, crossing of Fishkhabur to Syria. Both of them are illegal. Okay. Yeah. We went to Syria. I was um, there for two weeks. Then I finished my documentary filmmaker. When we were trying to come back to Iraq, I faced a problem in the Syrian-Iraqi borders when a Peshmerga guy... It was okay. They led us to come back to Iraq. Uh, as I mentioned, there was more than uh, 30 journalists. We were about 33 to 34 journalists together, Kurdish uh, journalists. We were trying to come back to Iraq after we covered the situation there. But unfortunately, the officer of Peshmerga in the borders of Iraq and Syria, he recognized me and he asked me, Aren't you the one who were talking about against the KDP and the leadership of KDP in the interview of the Chavella, DW in Soleimani, uh, okay. uh, three years ago? I said yes. Then he suddenly... And so you ended up in prison for how many days? 13 days. 13 days. And during those 13 days, what happened to you? If you really want uh, to know what happened to me in jail or in prison, there is a, a special report about me written by CPJ, Committee to Protect Journalists. Uh, they reported the story. And all the details of what happened, which, which prison you ended up in. Yes, all the details are in the report. Some people say that you did this to get attention. Mm -hmm. True or false? I didn't do this to get attention. But I'm sure I did this to let my people get attention from the, let's say, public opinion. So not for your own personal gain, but at least to shed light on our people. 
who goes to a war to get attention? A crazy person. <laughs> Are you crazy, Clapet? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And this wasn't the first time I went to Syria when ISIS was in Khabar. There was only 300 meters between uh, us and ISIS. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there to get attention, but I was there because I believe that it is my duty to cover what is happening to my people, Assyrian people in Iraq, Syria, or anywhere. Let's talk about religion a little bit. More recently, there's been controversy about what you've been saying about a member of the clergy, Marmilis. And Marmilis is the Metropolitan of the Assyrian Church of the East, presiding over the Diocese of Australia, New Zealand, and Lebanon. So what's the connection there? Why have you been speaking out against him? I didn't spoke against Marmilis with all due respect to his station or his position in our Holy Church of the Assyrian Church of the East because I'm a member of this church. I'm not from the, let's say, from other churches and trying to uh, stand against uh, the Assyrian Church of the East. No, I'm a member of this church. We still pay ma'asare. We call them in uh, Surith feasts yearly to our beloved church. But sometimes... Um, you have to stand against the statements made by uh, some of uh, the leaders of our church. Marmilis as a good example. He made a statement in Zagros TV here, which is a Kurdish TV. Uh, he was trying to say that the Assyrians in the KRG are living in peace and democracy and they have their rights. And this was... I believe that this was against the cause of the Assyrians and uh, he was trying to minimize the suffering of his people. Plus, this is the, uh, let's call it, misrepresentation or trying to give a fake image of our nation to the world. No, we're not living in peace here. I'm sorry uh, to say this. And I believe that what is happening Right now in our Assyrian villages uh, under the uh, KR government in Ankawa or Nuhadradohok villages uh, is a good proof that what Marmilis is saying is not correct. What is happening in our villages? What is happening in our villages right now is exactly what is Marmilis not saying in public. Many of our people uh, they say that we have land grab here and uh, there is a lot happening here but land grabbing is a good example I believe and this is my opinion and sorry to say this to name this region Kurdistan the land of Kurds is a big land grabbing to all of us so mm -hmm. we're not taking Nala or Sapna or Berwar uh, as uh, examples of land grabbing no Naming this region Kurdistan is a big violation to us as indigenous people of this land because we believe that we're native people of this land, we're indigenous people of this land. So I don't believe that Kurdistan term is a fair name to represent all the ethnic groups in north of Iraq. It's not an inclusive term. Yeah. Exactly. But why would Marmilis give this image? I believe he's strict. 
I believe he's misled or maybe he's doing this uh, for a purpose, a personal purpose for sure, because, because there is no reason to, to say the Assyrians are living in peace and they are not. Something that might impact our situation further over the next few years is the Iraqi federal election that was held recently on October 10th, 2021. Now, it took me a while to understand how the electoral system works here. Um, can you tell us a bit more about how it's, how the elections are organized, who can vote, how parliamentary seats are won? We have two parliaments in Iraq. One federal parliament in Baghdad, that is for all Iraq. We have five seats there plus the parliament of the KRG, which is the parliament of this region, and we have five seats in this parliament as well. When you say we, it's who? Well, they in Baghdad, they consider us as Christian, and the KRG, they consider us as Chaldeans, Assyrians. And who can vote for these seats? Here's the problem. When you give someone a house, that house must be protected. Mm -hmm. Let's say they gave us these five seats, but they didn't respect its privacy because it's open for all Iraqis. All Iraqis can vote for quota, we call it in, in Arabic. Mm -hmm. So, for example, my neighbor Abu Jasim can vote for my Christian seat. Exactly. And uh, this is what we are against it. Uh, and we are trying to make this quota, or these five seats, private for Christians. Only Christian can vote for Christian representative. Okay. Um, and how are parliamentary seats won? Is it the first person who gets the most votes? Like, How many candidates can there be per region? As uh, Assyrians or Christians, we have five provinces that we have population mm -hmm. them uh, Baghdad, Kirkuk, Nineveh, Erbil, Duhok. Okay. Each political party has the right to have one candidate in one province. Now let's take ADM, Zawa, Syrian Democratic Movement as an example. They had one candidate for Baghdad Mm -hmm. plus Kirkuk, Nineveh, Erbil, and Dohok. Okay. They had five candidates running for the Iraqi elections. Plus the other Assyrian political parties. Within each province, the candidate who get uh, the most uh, votes in his province will win the seat in the Iraqi elections or the Iraqi parliament. But the problem is here. Why? Let's say there are candidates in Dohok province. People from Basra, which is not included in our five provinces that we have representation in them, they can vote for the candidate of Dohok or Erbil or Baghdad. Wait, so the seats, anyone can vote for the seats, not yeah. only within the province, yes. but outside of that province. Yes. So the seats are not either reserved for Assyrians slash Christians. Exactly. And this is pushing the Assyrian political parties who are supported by the, uh, let's say, big political parties of uh, Shia and Kurds to 
push votes for their candidates. And on top of this, some of the parties nominating candidates for the quota aren't the true Assyrian or Christian parties. They are backed by KDP or Al-Badr organization, which is Shia uh, organization led by Hadil Amiri, which means that the candidate is basically KDP or Al-Badr. So we can say that how can we expect that these Assyrian candidates elected to the Iraqi parliament by Kurdish or Shia votes to be Assyrian or Christian representatives? Yeah, how, how can you? Well, they are not. And so what was the result of this election? The result was four candidates uh, won four seats supported by Al-Badr, which is, uh, as I mentioned, Shia uh, organization. Plus one of them was the candidate of Erbil, who won the seat by supported by Kurdistan Com- Communist Party. So none of our traditional political parties won any seats this time. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and I consider this as a violation of our rights or violation of our representation. So what do you think will happen now that we don't have any direct or authentic representation? Uh, To be honest, this is a very difficult question. Uh, We need maybe more than two hours to answer it. But let's not forget that we have four representatives or four seats in the KRG parliament. Uh, Four from five uh, are supported by the uh, KDP uh, and the... Uh, won the seat by votes of uh, the Kurds. So the situation is, um, let's say, not different between the KRG and the federal parliament. I think now there is uh, a stability between them, <laughs> between KDP and Al-Badr. Uh, both of them, they have four seats of us. They stole four seats from our real representation. And what do you think will happen now? Well, if we don't have a true representation, don't expect anything good to happen. But we still hope that uh, nothing bad will happen. So what political changes do you think we need to have better representation in Parliament? I believe that the first mission that we should work on it is how to push the Iraqi government to consider us as Uh, indigenous people of this country, Iraq. And from here, we can start. So once we get the status of indigenous people, uh, then the Tribal and Indigenous Convention in 1989 applies to us and the Iraqi government would then be obliged to apply it because it is a member of the United Nations, I mean Iraq. This means we would be entitled to kind of self-determination, something like this. Some say that we should just let go of these five seats uh, and just build strong politicians who can work with the various parties for the benefit of all citizens. So not only would these Assyrian politicians represent Assyrians, they would represent everyone. 
And once we become known for having really great politicians, advocates for for civil for 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 all citizens, then we would just naturally become elected to parliament and gain a little bit of that force that we used to have. For example, before we were known to be a great military force. Maybe next we can become known for being great um, members of parliament. Would this be also a a way of of gaining some of that self-determination or of getting some representation? 100% because uh, the parliament is not the only stage that we can work from it. We have many other ways to use to work for our people. Uh, creating lobbies in diaspora is uh, a very important step for us. Even in Athra here in the country, we can have a, um, an Assyrian lobby in Baghdad. And this is kind of my upcoming project that I'm working on it, preparing for it. So the parliament is not the only, so, uh, how to say this, the only theater. Uh, for us, we can uh, use many stages to work for our community with different ways. So what are the ways that you are using to work for our communities? You mentioned a project earlier. Can you tell us a bit more about all the work that you or all the projects that you currently have? Well, I will say something very brief about it. Um, I have uh, I'm working on a project called the Assyrian Right of Return Foundation, Mu'assasat Haqq al-Awd al-Ashuri, which is uh, a new foundation coming up. Yeah. This will this foundation will work on one goal. We have only one mission with maybe two or three parts. Uh, the first one is how to push the Iraqi government to recognize the Somali massacre committed by the Iraqi army in 1933. Mm-hmm. Then how to let the Iraqi government to accept all Assyrians who fled from Iraq after 1933 uh, to Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Iran, Armenia, Georgia, plus Russia to have the right of Iraqi citizenship. They don't have the right to become Iraqi citizens? They don't have it right now, but I really believe that um, one day we will. Uh, they will have this right, uh, right of return to their uh, roots, to their yeah. original country, because we believe that we are a very important part of Iraq and the main part of it. So, mm-hmm. hopefully... Uh, very soon we will uh, start working from Baghdad. This is what I only can talk about, the foundation. It sounds like a great effort. Do you think people will want to come back from Syria, Lebanon? Well, I will work to let them have this right, then they are free to mm-hmm. have their Iraqi citizenship or not, but let's uh start first uh to create this right for yeah open uh, the door for them exactly to open the door for them then they are free to 
come inside or stay in their countries. But I'm guessing your hope is that many of them will come back. Exactly. What would that change for us here? Well, uh, many things. Even the uh, we were talking about the representation. This will affect a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our votes will be more uh, <laughs> in elections. More numbers. Yeah, and um, I'm sorry to mention this. When I was in Armenia to cover the situation there during the war of Armenia and Azerbaijan, mm-hmm. there was an Assyrian woman from Virindivin village, which is an Assyrian village in Armenia. Uh, she asked me, where are you from? I was like, I'm from Iraq. She cried. Uh, she asked me, can I hug you and smell uh, Nineveh? Mm. Uh, so since that day till now I'm trying to think how can I make that woman not only to smell Nineveh from me and to let her see Nineveh by her own eyes mm-hmm. and have the right to live Nineveh as an Uh, a part or as a member of uh, Assyrians or indigenous people of this land. The, you need to give me her contact information sure. so I can <laughs> visit her when I, I go to Armenia next time. Her name is Jana. Uh, she's a great woman and she's a great mom. Plus she uh, has a great hospitality for all the guests. Khlapel, what other projects are you working on right now? Well, uh, This uh, project of Assyrian Right of Return is the main project that I'm working mm-hmm. on. But there is a movie uh, coming soon that I worked uh, on it. I filmed it in Syria in 2019. The film that we were talking about yeah. it when I was arrested during coming back to Iraq. So I didn't publish this movie yet. So I'm working on it and it is... Um, almost uh, finished and ready to be published. Can we cheat and ask you what the name of the film is? Uh, the name of the film is Victims of Peace. And what inspired this title? Well, the Turkish operation in north of Syria that I covered there uh, was named Peace Spring. Uh, this is why I named my movie or my documentary film hmm. victims of this piece of turkey I see. so victims of peace so it's a bit of a sarcastic uh, yes. ir- it's ironic essentially mom can't wait for it to come out i can't wait to see it um we'll see you... it very soon very soon yeah uh, can you tell me why you're doing all this work What what's your purpose what drives you what do you want to achieve well Each one of us enjoys to do something. Um, I enjoy to do this. I don't think that what I'm doing is uh, a job as much as it is a passion. So I really enjoy what I'm doing. And as I said, everyone enjoys something. 
we have many uh, youth uh, they enjoy playing PUBG for example <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, we have uh, people who enjoy playing football yeah I enjoy doing this and I'm happy with it so when do you think you will finally feel like you've accomplished something or when will you feel like you're satisfied with the work you've done effective implementation of article 14th of the Iraqi constitution which which one is that Iraqis are equal before the law without discrimination based on gender race ethnicity nationality origin color that's yes. a big goal yeah how do you how do you achieve that by lobbying because the uh, Assyrian right of return my next uh, or my upcoming project is not uh, only about um, Assyrian return to Iraq it is also about having a great or a active lobby in Baghdad and will it just be you or is there a group of you that will work together for this it is a group and a very strong group uh, of university graduates plus some activists Assyrian activists here in Iraq so I think when we will start everything will will be clear to our community hopefully very soon how soon <laughs> soon very soon <laughs> soon very soon i want to ask you just a, a few last questions quick questions will you ever leave the country i don't think but i still believe that i will not leave iraq not because iraq is paradise but i had many chances to leave iraq but i didn't as i mentioned when we uh, started this interview uh, i said i'm a very village person mm -hmm. yeah i feel that i'm outside iraq when i'm outside of my village mm. yeah so i'm very sorry to say this i'm very linked to this land i belong to this land i visit many countries I will visit many other countries, but maybe not more than one month, and then I will come back to Iraq. I see myself in this country. I don't see myself in outside Iraq. That's great. We want you to stay here to lobby. <laughs> We need yeah. you here to lobby. Will you ever run for parliament? Uh, maybe. Maybe next years. The next four years, or maybe next eight years but I will do that one day for sure okay <laughs> I don't know why I wasn't expecting that answer yeah. okay do you regret anything no nothing to regret nothing to regret would you do anything differently what do you mean from your past would you do anything differently and and another way another way if I live again I will choose the same way do you have hope that you will actually accomplish your goal for sure hope makes us uh, alive hope make us um, to have this passion to um, let's say step on move on move, move forward yeah hope key. is the hope is the key is the dynamo of me <laughs> it's the dynamo please don't explode right now <laughs> um okay what's your favorite dish mm -hmm. i think dolma 
with or without me? Both of them. No, I'm sorry. You have to choose one. Which one is your favorite? With me. Oh, no. We can't have Dolma together. <laughs> Which I'm a bullet person. <laughs> I'll come visit your mom on a Wednesday or a Friday so I can have vegetarian dolma. Khlapil, before we end this conversation, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Thank you, Mariam, uh, for this uh, great conversation. This was a very amazing conversation and I want you and our audience to excuse my English. Oh, don't be silly, stop. I have to say this because I started learning English four years ago so before that I didn't know anything uh, this is why I'm sometimes thinking before I answer but I just want to say something that in uh, 1915 during the Seifo uh, I believe that there was an Assyrian man uh, holding his daughter trying to flee from the genocide of Ottoman empire if i go back to that time and try to tell him don't worry you're gonna be safe uh, you will be exist in the next uh, 100 years he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't believe me mm. because the situation that he was in uh, is very difficult to believe that he will be survived for one more day yeah but he exists He's, yeah, it's us. So why we don't believe that we will be exist for more uh, 100 years, the next 100 years or more than 100 years. This is what make me or always to have the hope and try to do something. Wow, you're right, because often we lose so much sight over how much we've overcome and where we've come from. We lose the hope for tomorrow. Thank you, Chlapel. Thank you so much, Maria. My warm regards to you and all the audience of Assyrian Podcast. Shlamo yqarak kulokh. Thanks for tuning in to the Assyrian Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm looking forward to bringing you more stories from the homeland. We'll be back next week with a new episode. In the meantime, be well.